Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first of a new type of podcast we're doing here on Hey You Guys. Um, this is called Drop In Mouth Off. Um, we are going to take uh, a film, a big film that's coming out in the next uh, in the next week or so, and we're going to talk about it. Dave and I are both going to talk about it, and we're also going to invite some other movie critics um, into our little Skype room to, uh, to sort of kick it about a little bit. Um, I'm John Lias, and uh, Dave is also here. Dave, do you want to just introduce yourself? Hi there, everybody. Dave here, uh, editor of Hey You Guys. Um, so John and I saw Hugo a couple of days ago, and we thought it would be a good idea just for, to kick it off with that one. Um, especially as it seems to have mixed opinions. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a really divisive film because I think some people had expectations going into it. I know I certainly did. And uh, I think when we came out and we were talking about it outside um, Odin West End, there was, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of discussion. And I think a lot of it was about um, people not really having a, a clear idea uh, immediately post-screening if they enjoyed it or not. I was a bit uncertain. And until I wrote my review... I didn't, um, and it sort of played everything out of my head. I didn't really know how I was going to feel because I, I came out feeling a bit disappointed with it. But um, uh, Dave, you hadn't read the book, had you? No, I hadn't. And I, but I knew I, Martin Scorsese. I have this funny sort of relationship with him, where sometimes I'll love his stuff, but I always know it's going to be a long film and one that you have to pay attention to. And I was, I was up for that. But with Hugo, I just from the trailers I'd seen and the posters, I just had this feeling that it wasn't going to be for me. And as we'll probably uncover throughout this podcast, I, I, I was exactly right. So which other Scorsese films have you seen in life? Because he's done so many, and there's obvious ones like, like you know, Goodfellas, which is you know high on everyone's list. But... Yeah, I mean, there's all the classics, but even more recently, things like Shutter Island, I really enjoyed. Um, mm. I thought the twists in there were good. I thought the story was good. It was different. This, this one, it was a... Well, it was to me, it was a love letter to cinema, and it was made for himself, really. Um mm. Uh, but yeah, it was it's which is what I think I thought as I was going in. But the funny thing was I wasn't sure. I had a feeling I wasn't going to like it before I saw it, and then but I couldn't tell you why. Um, and I'm now that I've seen it, I'm still not sure I can tell you why. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we can kind of get to the yeah. uh, get to the bottom of that because a lot of people have called it a love letter to cinema, and that's kind of a phrase that's, that's been uh, used quite a lot. And I kind of t- took issue with it initially. And I think I still have my reservations, but we will kind of get into that because I, um, I like Scorsese, uh, but not unreservedly. I think um, I like you know there were things like The Departed and Shutter Island, which came out, which I think, but also his documentaries, um, being really really good. I really enjoyed the you know the Bob Dylan one. Well, things like Boardwalk Empire, which I know you haven't seen yet, John, but mm. um, it's just I know he produced it. I think he directed the first episode, but the series is brilliant and it's got his name written all over it. Mm. Um, oh, excellent. Okay. But then things like The Aviator as well, you know, I really enjoyed that. Um, that was a long, long film, though. I mean, obviously, it was, it was a, long. That a was big my life. criticism, was it was long, but there was a lot to pack in, I think. But mm. then looking at Gangs of New York, didn't like that at all. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. I mean, he, he's, he loves him some Leo DiCaprio, and I think yeah. um, it kind of depends on the. I, I think that he has flourished as an actor under Scorsese. Um, but a lot depends on on the material that kind of comes with it. So, whereas you've got here, you've got Hugo, which is, um, you know, ostensibly it's a it's it's a kids film, um, and that will be a point that we talk with other other people because some of the critics thought that it it, it really wasn't a kids film. Yeah, I would um, say it's not. I would say it's billed as a marketed as a kids film. Mm. But I would I have no idea which children will go in and enjoy that. But we I'd might like be to... wrong when we see it next week. Well, yeah, I mean it's 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 not it's not the most obvious one, but I actually quite like the fact that it's not a typical kids movie. And I think that if you had, because put it this way, you've got um, you know this this orphan as the protagonist, and you've got um, he meets up with uh, with you know this 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 girl, and they're kind of the similarity of about ten, eleven, and they kind of go on an adventure together. And when and it's billed as that in, in the trailers, but you don't get that impression when you're actually in the film. So, um, uh, so yeah, we, we will talk about uh, Hugo. For those of you who are listening and you haven't seen the film and you, have, and you haven't really got um, an idea of what it's about, it's actually based on a um, Brian Selznick uh, book called The Invention of Hugo Cabret. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely book, uh, which I bought a while ago when I found out what it was about and that Scorsese was doing the film. And it's got these beautiful illustrations in it. It's actually a really well-crafted adventure story, uh, far better than than the film gets right, I think, it's fair to say. Um, so I had that going in. I kind of knew what it was about. I knew uh, the people involved in it and the um, the sort of cinematic elements to it. And uh, so I was really, really looking forward to it. Um, and 
And yeah, so I think it'd be interesting to kind of get people's opinions on it. So, Dave, do you have my anyone... favourite thing about it is the fact that you came out of the cinema going, "I really enjoyed that," and then when you wrote your review, you were like, "Oh, actually, it wasn't <laughs> as good as I remembered it." Well, do you know what it was? I, I, I tell you, um, there's, uh, and obviously for people listening, we are going to go into into sort of you know plot spoilers and stuff. So this is this is, um, you know, it, it takes us read that you know the book or that you are aware of um, certain elements within it, um, but obviously it's based around Georges Méliès and um, they had some of his films integrated into in, in, into the film um, into Scorsese's film as you Those would expect good to bits. I really but this is what I'm talking about I've never yeah. seen them on the big screen no, like that and so there was a part of me that used to watch them as a kid um, when I was you know learning about cinema and even before like I, I, I studied it I used to watch these documentaries on Star Wars because I was a kid and that was the only way you could see Star Wars on your TV and they had these documentaries about special effects, and they split, and they began right at the beginning with, with um, you know, with the silent film. And they had Melia, and they had all of his uh, just amazing films. And I, so I've seen them on the small screen. So to see them on the big screen was, you know, was kind of something. It was all 3D and remastered as well. Which was... well, that's something that I think a lot of people don't know. They expect to see Melia, but Scorsese, what Scorsese did and has kind of kept from everyone is that he went back and. Um, 3Dified. Yeah, yeah, 3D post converted. It's like a massive long, you know post uh you know post conversion process and he's gone back and so you have trip to the moon and you have this um this kind of it's a little unnerving at first because we're used to seeing 3d and obviously the whole film's in 3d um but to see a silent film you know put into in, in into three dimensions is kind of unusual um and exciting to be honest with you so um okay so that's that that's hugo and that's what we're going to talk about today we have got people who are hopefully going to join us so we've got kasam luch from Movie Vortex, and he also writes for Yahoo. So let me see if I can add him into this. Kasim, we're just going to talk for as long as you have. Um, we're talking about Hugo. We've just done an introduction to it, um, and you remember when we were, you know, talking outside the cinema after seeing the screening that there was a lot of um, uh, differing opinions on it. Tell me uh, what you tell, thought. Tell us first, Kasim, who you're, where you're from, and who you are, and stuff. What's your name? Where'd you come from? Yeah. Okay, well, yes, I am Katam, as you introduced me, and I do, yeah, and I do some uh, writing for Movie Vortex and Yahoo Movies UK. So, given, given that, and given where you write for, yeah. and the many, many people that, that read your stuff, who would you recommend it to? And give us your general feelings on the film. Well, it's being pitched as a family film, which I think was the main problem going into it. I think a lot of people were expecting something very sort of given the time it's coming out as well, festive, a sort of family film where you can take their kids to. And I really don't think it's going to work as that sort of film. Um, I think Scorsese doing the whole 3D thing is quite a big draw for a lot of people who are going to be interested in the filmmaking side of things. A lot of older people are going to get a lot more out of it. Um, and, and basically, you're right. As we were talking about it outside, there was a lot of differing opinions there. Um, I think most people are going to find it hard to give it a sort of middling review. It's either going to get sort of twos and fours um mm. i'm gonna I, I don't think it's the sort of film where you can sit on the fence and um yeah and having said that i'm gonna sit on the fence and tell <laughs> about it. Well, i'm when still I, not I, convinced when it well, and i think this this is kind of the problem because um we've seen many films where it's very easy to tell exactly what you thought of it and you know you, it provokes quite strong emotions and i think the problem for me is that for a film that is you know it's beautiful settings are incredibly interesting and for me personally interesting um you know notion of the like discovery of early cinema i love all that sort of stuff because that was something that happened to me given all of this and given the source material there was kind of a lack of reaction from me do you see what i mean it was it, it wasn't it wasn't an obvious thing it was i'm not really sure how i felt about that you came out with it you definitely had a smile on your face whereas i was like Ugh. and i looked towards ed from msn and he was like Ugh. And, and you did seem to be more optimistic than myself or Kassam were. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I certainly had that initial reaction as well, sort of. It, it didn't blow me away in any way. And uh, I'm not familiar with the source material, which I'm guessing you are there. But, um, yeah, it, it really didn't do much for me on the, an emotional level. It's certainly not for the first half hour. I thought the first half hour was particularly weak, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's something that, that, I, that I picked up on um, from a lot of people was that, uh, they they were telling two stories there, which um, which in in the original um, book is one perfectly smooth story about Hugo's um, trying to build the automaton and trying to you know make it work and what it would 
tell him about his father and and then they found and then it, it moved very you know swiftly and smoothly onto the bit about um you know Georges Méliès and his films and what happened to him whereas I think that the film kind of you know it's kind of it kind of you know teetered around the notion of the automaton and what might happen but it was mainly about Méliès and it was mainly about him and there was a real unevenness to it because you didn't know where it was going in the first half an hour and f- especially for kids they're gonna you know be interested in the in the intrigue of it i would have thought in the first half hour which doesn't really think go they're gonna get bored john kids like when you say when we say kids what sort of age do we think that this is supposed to be pitched at um like 12 well, or something or young? yeah i mean how, how old is hugo supposed to be in, in the film i think he's like 10 or or he's comes across as being like 10 or you know 9 10 11 that sort of range See, I think kids that age are going to struggle with it. I, I really do. I think there's, mm. it's too long. It's nearly two hours. Um, yeah. And with a slow start as well, I don't think it's going to keep their attention for that sort of period of time. And it's weird that they had the bits with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen and his sort of, you know, station inspector, which was, it was really uneven because he was playing it almost slapstick yeah. and for laughs. And yet there was an emotional side to his story, which wasn't explored. It was almost a bit like a tick box. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, so and, and certainly with a resolution of, the, of that sort of character, which I won't obviously spoil, but you kind of need him to be quite dark at the start. And like mm. you say, playing it slapstick really kind of undermines that. Mm. There's, there's like a whole unevenness of tone. You can't work out if you like him or not, especially like, so he has that scene with Emily Mortimer, and you want him to get the girl because you sort of feel sorry for him. But then you've got, you, you don't like him because he's the baddie in the film as well. Exactly. But but yeah but yeah he isn't because he's not even though he's kind of dressed up as a kind of a you know silent movie villain he he doesn't come across like they come across as like a bit of a buffoon and it's it's not easy to it's just not easy to kind of you know to to pitch people and also at that point that's just like a very small story that could go absolutely nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that that kind of really struck me was the um, manipulation of emotions in the, and, and I mean that in the sense of if there was an emotion to be conveyed there was no trust in the audience to pick up on it it was underlined it was spoken at it was written in bold and it was done again and again you know through every means possible and I think that really t- you know detracted from it I'm talking here about the the um the notion of uh the clockwork man being you know made to work and being made to do his one thing in the same way that Melier was made to make movies and yet he was he couldn't he you know he was broken and all that sort of stuff it was underlined again and again and again and it's almost as if there's there's no trust in the audience and no um no trust in them to discover these things they have to be told does that ring true with either of you uh yeah no i, I certainly felt that and i th- also thought the music was used um it was quite an obvious choice for some of the musical pieces they had they had um mm. eric sate and um Dance Macabre as well, which was used over and over again. And yeah. again, in, in those montage sequences, it felt very heavy-handed at places. Yeah, which um, it, it, and, and that I think ruined it a little for me because this is supposed to be, you know, the uncovering of a mystery as opposed to a. You, you felt like you were on a bit of like a like a, a ride at an amusement park. Do you know what I mean? It was just like going from one to the other to the other, and there being no sort of sense that you're discovering it with them. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think drew um, Scorsese to it then? Why would Scorsese make a film like this? Oh, Melier. I mean, we, yeah, when, when we first heard about it, it was, it was because one of the guys who was working on the film said, um, uh, doing this new thing with Martin Scorsese, it's about Melier. And I thought, well, that makes tons of sense, you know, with his, you know, with, with his love. You can just see him. He was in the film himself, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, as, as a projectionist. And you can imagine that's, that's like a dream come true, to be showing you know, Melier films and, you know, literally hand cranking them and that. I think that it wasn't so much the the story of the father and the son, which was, you know, massive in the book um, and not so massive in the film. I think it was the notion of, uh, you know, preserving old films. It was the notion of celebrating silent films that he kind of wanted to to put on screen and to kind of bring back. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, do you think he kind of undermines that by then doing it in 3d and then adding the 3d process to these classic films that we've seen and the clips that we see in the film that's kind of I, point, yeah. I was really I, I was really unsure about that i just thought you know he's talking about how great cinema was how great these films are and then he's adding an additional process to it which a lot of people aren't that comfortable with mm. yeah because we were talking about this about the notion of having uh, you know the melier film in the silent footage um you know this uh, footage of the, of the war um mm-hmm. Yeah, in 3D as well. In 3D as well, which is kind of a really unusual 
you know way of doing it so um that's a really good point i don't know i i enjoyed seeing the melee on film and i liked seeing the kind of the dramatized behind the scenes um but from like an emotional point of view it was just it was so staid and actually the the, the 3d is a really important part to it did you think the the, the 3d worked in in any particular way i, I, I sorry I mean, yeah, no, I, I was going to say, I, I didn't notice it in as much as it, it wasn't obtrusive in, in any particular scene, but I, I didn't think he made the most of it. I think, you know, he, he uh, Scorsese showed off what he's good at, which was, you know, those tracking shots and using the location that he set up, you know, mm. quite brilliantly in certain places. But I don't know if he made the best of the 3D, not not for me anyway. I quite liked it. I liked the sort of, there's a Doberman is in it and uh, you know there's quite a few funny shots of, of, the, of the 3D dog pointing at you and you know like when they're climbing down to the clock that's hanging above the train station and stuff and, and, and I quite like that and I thought actually for 3D it's probably um, it was it was different it wasn't just having 3D for the sake of it it was actually it had a few nice bits in it as well it's kind of uh, when I saw it I was thinking to myself um, the the way he, he established the um, um, the space of the film like with uh, the very sort of labyrinthine corridors within the walls of this, you know, Paris station where, where Hugo lives. I really liked the vertical space, the way that was conveyed. I liked the um, the shots of Hugo standing behind the clock face and with Paris stretching out below him. I really liked the fact that that, that felt very distant. I quite liked the notion of 3D there. Didn't need to be there particularly, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, I'm not sure. It, I... I don't know if, if he's if he's sort of mastered it, but I think that there was something that Scorsese said about never wanting to shoot another another, another film again in 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 two D, or that could have been Ridley Scott, but it's 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 one of those two. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, is this the way forward? Is it is it enhanced in any way by by being a by being a three D film? And I don't think it is particularly. I think that especially as you said, Kasten, the fact that you know this is about the discovery of cinema, and this is about you know showing it off and celebrating it. So. Yeah. You I mean, because there's that scene where they're playing back the footage, you know, and, and it just shows the simple beauty of cinema where you can just pick up a, a, a put it on a screen and, you know, just project it. And it would have kind of lost the appeal if the characters all had to find their 3D glasses at some point and hand them in at, at the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's not exactly the natural way to watch a film. It's not the natural way to, you know, enjoy cinema, I don't think. And it kind of mixed that message up for me. Yeah, I have to say, I, I think you're right. Um so okay, so we've we've talked about about that, Kassam, Before you go, what um, would you recommend it to to anyone? Do you think that it could be, um, you know, a decent night out for people? I think. I mean, look, Scorsese fans are going to go and watch it either way. So you know that that kind of you know, as we said, that box is ticked essentially. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, it's actually there's not that many films coming out here in the Christmas period which would have a lot of appeal for younger audiences. And we're not getting the Muppets over here until don't, next year. Don't mention so. that word, man. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we won't mention that. But yeah. I, I think, you know, I, actually, I, one thing that we haven't talked about is the performances well, that I haven't mentioned. And I thought they were all really good. So, um, I, uh, so yeah, I, I think there's something for a lot of people there. I, it's not as good or as great as I thought it would be. But um, And certainly if you want to see something about that era, I would say go watch The Artist instead. Mm. But yes, um, you know they're, they're they're kind of different films, I guess. Yeah, true. I mean, I'm just thinking um, the performance that stuck out most to me was Chloe Moretz, who could have been incredibly precocious and could have annoyed me because I, I get very turned off by that. Um, mm. But she was really, uh, really sort of witty with it, and she wasn't it wasn't kind of overbearing. And whereas I found the character of Hugo to be, um, again, he was really uneven. He was, you know, grieving for his for his father. He was, you know, lost in the world, and yet laughing at you know um a dog and a you know yeah uh, and and like an old man on the station that he could see i found that there was no investment in that character so when he did finally break down towards the end of the film it was really believable and i thought they should have made much more use of that straight away because he, did, he didn't engage he was like a blank for so long um but then you had people like christopher lee who were great in there and you know it was really great to see him okay. on it was funny having jude law in there um, spoiler alert for oof, um, 90 seconds you reckon maybe maybe two minutes i mean yeah he, he doesn't make it and ray um, winston as well ray winston as well i mean there was a lot of scorsese favorites in there um obviously like we said so ben kingsley as well so mm. um yeah you kind of wait for them to pop up and then 
and then go their separate ways when they need to, I guess. Well, I'm just looking at the promo stuff now. So I've got these one, two, three, four, six character posters, and Jude Law's there, proudly looking good with all his clocks. <laughs> you know, and, and fair play to the man. He's probably got paid a lot of money to be in the film for two minutes. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I guess the last thing I want to know is, um, and John, you probably know this, is, um, is there a, is there a series of books or is this a one-off? It's just a one-off. Um, because the right. story is pretty much it's it's complete obviously within the um, within the the film and also here the difference is um, not that huge in terms of what's included and what isn't included there's just um, there's much more of a focus on the automaton and what it means and when they discover the the key that fits the lock and everything and when it starts there's a real sense of revelation whereas here it just seemed like it was the next step on a kind of a wider, less interesting mystery. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I think we are with that. So, um, Dave, I mean, just, uh, just give us your thoughts briefly on, on the film and if you'd recommend it to people. Dave. Hello. Dave. Sorry, back. Press the <laughs> one. Uh, edit that out. Uh, bored for the first 90 minutes. Enjoyed the final 30 minutes. Um, build for kids don't think it's for kids at all as Kassam said I think Scorsese fans will will still go and see it no matter what um, I've seen people on Twitter say it's a family film and you know you, you're going to love it taking your family along with you I mean I, I can't ever imagine going along with my my mum and maybe maybe my mum and dad would like it, but that's that's the difference isn't it if it's built as a kids film then why why are they going to go and enjoy it rather than you know 10 year olds um I don't know. So, it's, it's also it's it's got a you know relatively high rating on all the um, aggregators online, and I don't know. This this question always kind of comes to me because we are people who see many films in a year, and we uh, we're not sort of predisposed to to criticise, but we are there to critique. And I think it's are we being harsher than perhaps it deserves? Maybe. I mean, look in IMDb rating, 8.6 out of 10 from 505, which isn't very many, but bear in mind not many people have seen it yet. Um, mm. That's really high. It is really high. I mean, it, uh, but it, it needs to be, I don't know, I think a lot of people, are, I'm just having a look, that they're, they're being very, um, uh, you know, they're really bigging it up. They're talking about the fact that it's like, it's dreams, and it's, you know, it's all these things, it's, very, it's a very dreamy film, and they're, they're really hailing the, 3d but i don't know um for me this should have been the perfect film this should have been a film about celebration of early cinema and people discovering it you know giving credit to the early masters who you know set things up so so well for for everyone that followed it looks beautiful the production design is is just fantastic um it just lacks like a real emotional heart which is a real shame um the tomatometer on the Rotten Tomatoes, ninety-seven percent. See, that's that's an awful lot of people. That's an awful lot of um, you know, people lo- loving it. So I don't know. I guess we'll see. I think Cassandra, I think you're right. I think there's there's not a huge amount of um, you know, family films coming out this year. You know, towards the end of the year. I hope that people see it and then. Um, I hope that people, you know, uh, are kind of more more inspired to kind of, you know, go back and discover for themselves. That's kind of what I'm looking for. But I guess we'll see. Thanks, Cassam. That's grand. On the line now, we have Simon Thompson, whose show Inside Hollywood is on uh, Five USA Daily, and uh, he's here to tell us about what he thought of Martin Scorsese's Hugo. Okay, we won't take up too much time, Sam. So what we'll do is we're just going to we want to talk to Cassam about about hugo um now you were there on um on tuesday night to see uh scorsese's hugo um first of all did you have any uh did you have any knowledge of the book did you have any expectations and what did you think of the film when you saw it no i mean i came to it completely fresh um i mean i'd, I'd never heard of uh i'd never heard of the book i've never read the book um i obviously knew about ben kingsley's character as a filmmaker mm-hmm. um been a big fan of scorsese with things like this when it's it's a director who obviously has such gravitas and such history. I always try to come to these things completely um, neutral, completely vanilla. Mm. Um, and I thought it, that actually might be a benefit because when you read a book, first of all, you kind of have your own mental expectations, your own mental imagery that you, that you bring to the table. Um, 
And I didn't want any of that. That's why, you know, with the Twilight films, which I hate, um, I've never read any of the books. I have no interest in reading those books. Life is way too short. <laughs> However, um, <laughs> seriously, I can't stand Twilight. Um, so I thought, well, I'll go and see this. You know, how, how bad can it be? It's mine, Scorsese. It's a, it's, a, it's a very rich, delicious family fantasy. It's in 3D. Martin Scorsese, even on a bad day, is still a pretty good filmmaker. Um, I just found this visually stunning and mm-hmm. magical, but just dull and dry. And I didn't care about the characters, which, considering the, the caliber of the cast and the, obviously the director and the amount of money that's been put into this, it was just so flat and as a, as a family fantasy I think children will be bored by this. Do you think it was because of the the story, or do you think it because of the way the story was told and the performances that it was like that? I don't think it's because of the performances, because there are certain moments in the movie which are absolutely sublime. I mean, the interaction between um, uh, Francis de la Tour and uh, Richard Williams, um, the, the, the sort of the star-crossed people in the railway, um, is that absolutely sublime. I mean, that's a really beautiful thing. Um, I, I thought the performance that, that came from um, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz was, was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Jude Law, for, for how long he was in it, was fine. I think a lot of the cast, like Ray Winston, were, uh, were completely wasted. Um, I, I didn't understand why Sasha Baron Cohen, who was a former French soldier, now the, the guy running a train station, um, had a, some sort of Essex accent, but kept going on about his Frenchness. I mean, that to me was just some kind of bizarre um, characterization. Um, and it had Scorsese's hands all over it, but mm. it just felt like a live-action version of the Polar Express in places. It was almost as if it was a reverse motion capture where they'd use mocap characters and actually <laughs> turn them to flesh. It was almost like a kind of a Pinocchio situation. The boy that was wood is now human. And I think because of those, all those little things that weren't quite right, it just sat a little bit uneven for me, and it didn't engage me. And while there were some, some rather nice light moments that kids will absolutely adore, there were other moments where it was just so thick and so mature that kids would just be like, this is just too much. It's, a, it, it's just too stodgy. Um, and it didn't have enough light brevity to it um, in enough of the places. And it, I just think it, it felt like it was half an hour longer than it actually was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Maybe think that's there was. Maybe you fell asleep. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, if I had fallen asleep, I might have enjoyed parts yeah, of the you, movie better. I don't better. think you'd have missed much. Cause, cause, so we were chatting, weren't we, on Facebook, and it sounded like we were, oh, in your words, singing from the same song sheet, in that the fir- we both said the first 90 minutes were dull as, and the last half an hour was actually vaguely entertaining. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think part of the problem is the fact that even though a lot of the characters are, are, are really well drawn, they just appear, even in three dimensions, a little bit too 2D. Mm. Um, and there are three or four different stories going on here that you don't really feel are, are pulled together in this uh, in this set of the uh, of the railway station, and then obviously in the set of of um, Chloe Grace Moretz's relative house. Um, uh, the thing of the automaton, which is obviously really bigged up in all, all all the trailers and all the TV spots and that sort of thing. There wasn't there wasn't enough to engage me there. But it's kind of like it, it promised so much. It put a lot mm. out there. It seemed like it was really set up to be this fantastic, fantastical tale, and yet it just stayed too grounded. Um, it was very I mean, that's that's one of the things we were talking about earlier. The the automaton was um, a bigger part in the book in the sense that when um, when the mystery opens the book, it's basically this automaton does something and we are going to have to work out, we're going to have to fix it, we're going to have to work out and see what it does. And when it does happen, it's it's a big revelation. Whereas here, it just felt like another step. And I think um, that's that's the unevenness there because we didn't know who to, who to kind of root for, where these things were going, whose story it was really telling. Because initially, and it should be, given that it's the title of the film, it should be Hugo's story, but it's not. It's about uh, Melier and it's about you know the sort of the uh, the cinematic master who's been forgotten and how that affects him and that's the kind of story you can imagine Scorsese getting involved with 
No, absolutely. And I think at, at times, even though there's obviously a lot of money and, and a lot of passion in this film uh, from, from Ben Kingsley, from, from all the cast, and obviously from Scorsese himself, I mean, this is a guy that doesn't deal with 3D. This is the film he wanted to make as a 3D movie. Um, but I just felt, as you say, there was, there was a concentration on Ben Kingsley's character, but he was far more hammy than anybody else in the cast who were playing it very earnestly and very honestly. Mm. Um, and yet he appeared to be almost over-dramatizing the role. Um, and the only thing, even though I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of, of the filmmaker's work, there's obviously you get a touch of it in this film. It kind of explains his background and where he came from and how he created the, the, the films. I think if you're a child watching this movie, and let's face it, I think this film is fundamentally aimed at children and, and, and families, I, I thought it was too much. It seemed like a film lesson which personally I quite enjoyed about it, yeah, yeah. but it just did make me want to go out and investigate more of his movies and really get absorbed in, into the world of Hugo. And at the end of the day, I just came out thinking, I just really want to go and watch that Smashing Pumpkins video from yes. Tonight Tonight, <laughs> where they actually use a, a lot of the processes that, that were actually created by this filmmaker. And yeah, that, yeah. that's the overriding feeling I came out of the movie with, was meh, I'm going to put on a Smashing Pumpkins best of DVD. <laughs> Well, actually, that was um, that was when that's what Dave thought when I when I came out because I, I had a big smile on my face and it was because I'd seen the Melier footage as opposed to seeing the you know just to, to is that what it was? Go... Do you think do you think if that had been at the beginning and then if it was the other way around where the first, the, the last ninety minutes were the first you'd have you'd have come out feeling a bit bored too? Yeah, because... I, yeah, I, I think I mean you know partially it is because the um, I it it didn't get me and even though I knew where the story was going. And I was probably, you know, coming into it with a few preconceptions. I just thought they're not telling this in in the same way, and that that must be for a reason. And then when I found out that it wasn't for a reason, or it was for a reason that he thought the Melier story was a bit more important, um, I just thought you you kind of lost me a little bit. Um, Simon, we talked about the the 3D a little bit. Uh, how did you think he handled it? I thought it was used a lot more professionally than it is being used in cinema at the moment. I think the majority of 3D movies don't really require 3D and are just a little bit gimmicky or it doesn't really add anything to the experience. I thought it did add depth and enriched the visual aspect of the film. Do I think if I saw it in 2D, I would miss much? Probably not, to be honest with you. I mean, it's used very capably. I mean, Martin Scorsese is one of the most talented and... and, and um, he, thoughtful filmmakers out there. Everything is very precise or planned or coordinated. It, it's like a, you know, a guy creating a patchwork quilt when, when Scorsese put these films together. Mm. But I just kind of felt that it was at times utilized 3D beautifully with scenery, but then it was kind of let down by using it as a more of a gimmicky tool by hands coming towards the camera or a dog running towards you, or Sasha Baron Cohen moving towards Hugo's face. And I just thought, Scorsese is better than that. And it, it didn't, those touches didn't feel to me like it was a Scorsese film. It felt a bit more like it was someone else that had come along and put those touches on afterwards. And it, it just didn't entirely sit right. I mean, as far as giving scope and depth to, to scenery, it made Paris look fantastic, and actually some of those scenes looking from the, uh, the, the clock in, in the station mm. out across Paris are some really, truly beautiful shots. Mm. But then the other 60% of the time, it just seems a little bit superfluous, and you're kind of waiting for something to happen to, to fill that space, to fill that extra dimension, and it, it doesn't really happen. But it, it's a great idea. You know, it's, it's, and it generally is it's quite well executed, but overall... It didn't really do much for me, but you know I find a 3D hit and miss in the movies anyway. I think the movie where I, I most enjoyed 3D was actually one of the worst films of the particular year that it came out was G-Force, which was a Disney movie about <laughs> guinea pigs. Good old Joe the way that, yeah, well, well, the way they used 3D by actually taking the the lights that the guinea pigs were using if they were uh, going under the water by taking it outside and over the um, uh, the frame of the film. Um, in, into the uh, the black bars on the top and the bottom, I thought was absolutely genius. Mm. Um, I think there's there's cleverer ways to use 3D than just 
gimmicky moving towards the screen kind of things. I would have liked to have seen more use of 3D with the automaton. That's what I would have liked to have seen. There there, there was a lot of um, clockwork in 3D, especially in that the one scene that... um, we haven't talked about yet, which is uh, Hugo's dream. Now we're not going to spoil it for anyone, but that's a that's pretty dark, and that's that's pretty. Um, you know, there's a you know sort of a dream with a dream, and it's actually quite disturbing what happens in that. And that's you know that's a good use of the 3D there. Yeah, no, I I, I I will agree with you on that. I think that was done exceptionally well. But then there's it it kind of left me wondering if they can actually use 3D for that effect in a situation that is quite limited in how you can actually use 3D as, uh, with regards to scope in that, in that kind of situation. Mm. Why they didn't actually apply 3D more effectively to far simpler situations in the film. Um, and that kind of left me feeling a little bit confused. Um, maybe they decided they didn't want to. Maybe they couldn't be bothered. I'm not quite sure. Um, or maybe they just thought that, that was, uh, they were going for one type of film and it didn't kind of fit into that box. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I'm looking forward to, to, to talking to, to Martin Scorsese about it and discussing 3D. Um, mm. But it just kind of, it didn't really, it just didn't work together for me. There were no components that really, considering it's about clockwork and all the parts making the other parts work, mm. it just didn't feel like the film actually followed its own physical lesson. That's very cool. Simon, listen, um, tell everyone where they can find your excellent show. Um, you can catch Inside Hollywood um, on 5 USA and also Channel 5. It's on every night on 5 USA at 6.55. Uh, there's a 10-minute show every weekend. Um, and you can also follow the show on Twitter um, at 5 USA Hollywood, um, and you can find me at Showbiz Simon. Simon, it's a complete Thank pleasure, you, as always. Um, we'll be doing more of these, so I hope that we get to see you and get to talk to you a lot more during this. I would love to do that. Good to maybe, talk to you maybe guys. after you've spoken to Martin, we can we can come back and maybe after you've asked, asked some of those questions and hopefully got some good answers, you can let us know. We'll see him on Five Hollywood anyway. So see five years. Fantastic. Later. Of course you will. That's fantastic. And I know I'd love to do that. That would be great. Cool. Wicked. Cheers, Thanks bye. a lot, man. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Okay. Cheers, guys. Bye. bye. Okay. Uh, so. I've got um, Matthew Turner on the line. Have you really? Yeah. Let's bring him in. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun, isn't it? It's like a live radio station. It's like, it's like a live radio station. Now, Matthew Turner. Matthew Turner, are we calling? Hello. Hi there, Matt. How you doing? Fine, thank you. Cool. So, um, we have just spoken with Simon from uh, Access Hollywood. Thank you. Uh, yep. And we've spoken to Cassam from Movie Vortex and Yahoo. And to be honest, pretty much all of us so far are saying Hugo is a bit meh. I think that's that's the word. I'm not sure how you spell there, but that's how we've all seemed to have described the, it. Uh, the received spelling is M-E-H. Sounds good. Uh, I'll be using it. Um, what's your? Tell us what you think of uh, Hugo. Like, did you enjoy it? Did you not? Was it what you expected? I really wanted to enjoy it. I mean, I went in really, really expecting to like it, and um, yeah, no, I think I may be in the mayor camp myself. But I'm going to see it again. I think before I write the review, because um, my main problem I thought that afterwards. Probably I went in with my expectations were too high, and I was also thinking I was expecting a very different film from the trailer. I haven't read the book, but um, but I was kind of expecting. I mean, I was expecting something pretty crazy, admittedly. I was expecting the automaton to play more of a part in it, and I thought that when they unlocked the automaton, they'd, they'd go into this kind of magical world. And I was totally expecting to see Jude Law again. Actually, I've got to say. Yeah, he did only appear in it for I think we've already said actually for maybe two minutes, if that. Um, and we, we, I thought that he did quite a good job managing to get his own poster for the film, um, <laughs> even though he is only in it for such a short time. Um, right. uh, I mean, I, I don't like Hugh Law particularly as, a, as an actor, but I think he's okay in supporting performances. Mm. And, he's, uh, and he's very, I mean, I, I, I do like him as Watson, for example. And he was okay in this. I was, yeah, right. Hugh Law was the least of its problems, let's put it that way. So, what was the most of its problems? For me, the, I thought the plot was really weak. And uh, I just I just couldn't get into it. I was like first five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes. I was thinking, okay, this, this is a good setup. Let's see where they go with this. And I just didn't seem to really go anywhere, or not somewhere that I was really interested in. Um, now I love all the all the silent movie stuff, obviously, and, and you know, every, all the people that love it are saying yes, Scorsese love letters to silent cinema and whatever. But I just yeah, it just didn't really come together for me. It's interesting that you said it because uh, we've talked about the, about the phrase "love letter to cinema," which is what's 
um, you know, kind of been banded around an awful lot, especially in the US when it was, um, you know, press screen over there. To me, it didn't feel much. If it was a love letter, it was written, you know, 20 years too late. And it was trying to recall the thrill of discovering it as opposed to being about the thrill of discovering it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and I actually did. I mean, we, we. I think we've spoken to a couple of people already about this and about the uh, how the film's marketed and who it kind of appeals to and what the eventuality and the reality of the film is. And the the automaton in in the book plays a plays a bigger part. Um, it doesn't transport them to a magical world, but it kind of um, uh, the revelation of what it does and and how it fits into the wider story is much more. Um, emotional, it, it's much more visceral. Whereas in the film, it, it didn't feel like that at all. But let's talk about um, uh, obviously the uh, the the tone of the film. Sort of is is what I think most people were unsure of, and you know, and the engagement because of that. What do you think about um, you know a, a family going to see this? Do you think that they would they they would be engaged? Would any of them be engaged? I I don't think it's a children's film. Or at least I don't think I think children are likely quite bored by large chunks of it. I mean, there's stuff in there that kids will like, like there's train sequence and, and, you know, some other stuff. But, yeah, well, I think they'd be bored. Yeah. I think they'd be bored too. It's too long as well, isn't it, for family film? It's like two hours, ten minutes or something? Yeah, it's long. I, I think it is over two hours. Uh, I've got it here. It is... Uh, 127 minutes, which, yeah. um, I mean, I was... So if, if you're bored for the first hour, which I was, or 90 minutes probably, then it's really going to... I, I'm not sure kids are going to sit through it, and, and but we were looking at the ratings that um, Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb give it, and so far it's got it's pretty much 8.6 out of 500 view uh, ratings on IMDb. Bear yeah. in mind it doesn't come out in the US or the UK until next week, I don't think. Um, the Metacritic score is really high as well, apparently. But yeah, they can't have much much of a sample yet, though. Yeah. I'm assuming. How many how many reviews are on the Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, there are. Reviews counted ninety six and it's a ninety seven percent. Blimey, okay. Which that is, is high, amazing. Isn't it? Okay, so um, what's the problem then? Because it's like every, it seems to me that everyone. Well, having said is... that though, having said that though, the a positive review on Rotten Tomatoes is, is three, can be three stars, and I'm probably going to give it three stars myself. So yeah. Uh, although I wasn't kind of blown away by it, I didn't think it was a bad film particularly. It just wasn't the great film I was hoping for. So. So, I mean, I wonder how many of those, of that 97%, are kind of in the middle of the form, but kind of on the, on the side of good reviews. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad film, but it, it didn't feel like a very satisfying film to me yeah. at all. And um, uh, what about the use of 3D? Cause we, we've talked about that with everyone. What's your take on uh, on Scorsese's 3D? I thought it was very good. I mean, actually, the 3D was generally very impressive. Uh, there was one bit, there was one scene that I noticed with... Um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character, where where you could see the you know like in the bad in the Sasha the Titan 3D when it's really bad, yes. you've got the you've got the um, you can see the shadows if you like of the characters behind where the, where the 3D virtual thing hasn't worked. I saw that once in the whole in the whole film, um, but but everything else is pretty good. Was this was this really shot in 3D or was it post converted? He was well, shot in 3D. Sasha Baron Cohen thing suggests post conversion, but that may be the Maybe that was a scene they added in later, or I don't know, something like that. Possibly. I, I remember thinking it was actually shot in, in 3D. I don't know, I can't verify that, but um, it would be unusual to... Especially, I think... like it was shot in 3D, did it? It didn't have that kind of... Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, but maybe that's just that's just how we decided to use it. Maybe it wasn't... Um, maybe certain bits suggested themselves to be, you know, looking particularly good and vivid in, in, in 3D, but... I don't know. It was it was a really. I think the the word that I use about the film most is uneven. I just didn't feel like anything was um, was uh, was strong enough to engage. And the when you when you think about it, it didn't even need to have Hugo in it at all. It could have just been about you know the character of Chloe, uh, you know Chloe Moretz discovering her grandfather's secret. That would have been a you know a, perhaps a better a better film. It, it certainly wasn't like that in the story because you you were so invested in in Hugo's plight. Um, in the you know in, in in the story because he was on his own he was completely um, at the mercy of this station inspector and he you know and the the threat of the orphanage was was real whereas here a lot of, it, of the early stuff was played for laughs almost as if to say this is yeah you know, this is going to have serious things in it but actually it's a bit of fun as well do you know what I mean yeah yeah I don't know oh. 
Sorry. I think we've had. Um, I think we've had. You know, an, a number of opinions, and I think that we are getting close to working out. Does does Hugo work? And and, and doesn't it? Um, what we've all said is so mare is the poster quote for the film um but we've all said it looked great and we all quite like the 3d i think was it just kassam who wasn't blown away by it but um uh but the rest of us have all quite enjoyed it or quite liked the use of 3d in this film um, i wasn't i wasn't crazy about sasha baron cohen either I, the, the voice didn't work for me at all i'd as much prefer him to do, do basic basically what i wanted was to reprise his comedy frenchman from um from uh, talladega no. That would have been yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but in, in some ways that that's a problem because he is he he could have played it, uh, you know, more like that, and it would have fitted in with the vaguely slapstick character that he was. But yeah. um, I don't know if it was because Scorsese didn't see that you could, you know, because there, there's the emotional side of it. So maybe he thought, well, we can't have him being too much of a cartoon because we need, you know, people to invest in his, you know, small relationship with Emily Mortimer's character. Um, which again is completely incidental. I, mean, I know they, they they try and bring it all together. The whole thing completely underwritten. Yeah, very very much so, and it, and it it doesn't it seems as if it's just scenes from another film um, that are just kind of put in uh, as if as if to pad it out. And yet, what you don't get a, an idea of is the teeming life within the um, within the station. That that's Hugo's world, and the escape outside, and the escape to you know to the to the home of Melia and. Um, and Chloe, uh, Chloe Moretz's character's name, I can't remember. Um, that, that's like a, you know, that's a step out. Um, is, it, is it Isabella or something? Isabel, that's what, Isabel, maybe? Isabel. Chloe Moretz's character. It's Isabel, yeah. yeah. Um, so you see, you, you, you had these elements. You had the, you know, Christopher Lee's librarian, which is great. The book that he gives has no meaning. No. To anybody, and it, it doesn't, it's not like it, it's like a lovely emotional echo to, a, you know, a moment they had before. It was, it was, you know, meant to be, but there was nothing yeah, to it because we didn't know. The were all there. They just didn't bother mentioning them properly. Yeah. That's it, exactly. I did like Michael Stuhlberg's character. I liked him yeah, as the... I, I, but that, and then again, that's where the film is strongest. It's when it's building to a climax and yeah, when... That, that last half it. an hour again, it's exactly that again, isn't it? It's exactly. So it's, it's as if what they, what they needed to do was to make, you know, you, you had to adhere to the story that they had, but they could have taken Hugo out, called it something different, um... You know, and uh, and had it about Melier coming back out of you know out of sort of imposed retirement, which would have been a far more of a celebration of cinema, and and you wouldn't have had to have you know had all these these backstories. I don't know. I mean, um, it's I'm it's see it again. Like I said, I'm definitely going to see it again before that review. See, I yeah. hope I never see it again. The next week. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm glad I've seen it, so I can have an opinion on it, but. But I was just, I was so bored. And I don't think I'd recommend it to anyone either. Actually, that's not true. If I was, if it's a Christmas, you know, in two years' time, and I've forgotten that I got pretty bored in it, and um, my wife hasn't seen it, or my parents haven't seen it, I'd be like, oh, you know, this this is probably worth a watch, um, if nothing else. If Home Alone's not on, then this is probably worth a watch. Um, or Gremlins. And, um, you know, and then you carry on there, I guess. I think I'd like to see it in 2D. Um, I think, uh, okay, um, we've pretty much said... I think uh, all, all that needs to be said. Um, thank you for your time. Uh, where can where, where can we find you uh, on the on the wide seas of the internet? Um, <laughs> I do all the film reviews for View London, UK, and I'm uh, film fan 1971 on Twitter. So follow and read, read and follow. You must. Um, you must. Thank you so Matt much. Matt is for... also the four square champion of the world. <laughs> checks I, knew, into... I knew we weren't going to get that. You <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He checks into everywhere. If you want to follow him, you, you'll find locations you didn't even know existed. <laughs> That's probably because they don't. Because Matt Turner checks into the wall. Well, and also checked into my own house. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, I work here. It's my office. Um, and also, you're doing Movember at the moment, aren't you, Matt? So um... I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, if you want that link, that's... Let's uh, do that uh, link as well, yeah. Co slash filmfan1971. Yeah. So if you're... November, thank God. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, it's looking very nice as well. It's looking pretty good. It should uh, maybe stay until Christmas. That'd be good. You're really um, nice. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for your time today. We're hopefully doing a few more of these, so um, it'd be great if you can get you on uh, get you on again. Yeah, sure. It's very cool. Thanks. Okay. Cheers, nice. Matt. You take care. Thanks. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that's... 
the opinions of three of the people who saw it with us on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, as you can understand, it's uh, it's a, it's a difficult film to kind of classify because a lot of people didn't really feel an, you know awfully strongly about it, and in many ways that's that's part of the problem. The film's out on the second of December. I have struggled to try and think about recommending it to people because I I, I still um, support the the idea behind it, you know, of um, of discovering cinema for yourself, which is kind of exactly what it's all about. Um, so I would say it looks beautiful. There are some, you know, good moments within it, but the story is not conveyed in the best way possible, and it's it's overlong, and you need to stick with it for the first for the first um, hour or so. Gosh, because it, it it does pick up, but you will be, um, you know, I think maybe some people will struggle for the first for the first half an hour. Um, Dave, would you agree with that? I think the the problem it's going to have is like you you're, you've read the book and stuff, and you 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 did a film studies degree didn't you mm. so so you know some of this stuff that you've seen it you you've, you've been looking forward to seeing it mm. i think critics and journalists are gonna pick things out of this that no one else will because they know certain things about cinema and you know where sure. it's come from and where it's been i think the average average joe isn't going to have the foggiest idea who George Melier is. They may not even know when they finish seeing the film that this is based on a on a real man that you know really did yeah. do these things. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to struggle actually to to find its place in uh, you know in the cinema and later on in the DVD shelf because I'm not sure who it is that they're gonna who's going to buy it other than maybe Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I think he'll probably get his own copy, but yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to revisiting it on Blu-ray when it comes out. I have to say, it's it's kind of especially the discussions today. I think um, they've confirmed what I said in my, my review. I hate giving um, reviews ratings such as two out, of, you know, two and a half out of five because it is such a. It's not so much, you know, you know, you are the fence. You're not even on the fence. You are the fence. But I think there are some good good parts about it. But um, but ultimately, it's not it's not what I expected, which again may have been the problem. But um, it's out in the UK on the 2nd of December and um, let's take the opportunity now to thank Matthew Turner, Kassam Luch and Simon Thompson for their thoughts today. It's been uh, kind of a successful first, uh, you know, pilot. Yeah, it's been good. Drop in mouth. We're going to do this more often. Yeah, I think we should. And maybe even if we think about it, we could even do like over Christmas, we could do uh, retrospective ones maybe of films that are run over Christmas. uh, Let us know in the comments below um, what your, uh, when you uh, when you finish listening to this, what you think mm. of that idea, and then maybe we could get readers in as well and to chat about their favourite. I would love it. I would love it. That would be great fun. Yeah, because it's it's a great time for it. I mean, this is just a format that we had the idea for um, the other night, after, literally after coming out to see Hugo. So I'm hoping that um, I'm hoping that it works. Hoping that that you guys like it. So um, we will keep listening to you. If you'll keep listening to us, that would be fab. Uh, you'll find it on the website. Dave, we're going to put it on iTunes as well. Uh, that's my plan if I can technically work out how that happens. <laughs> Love it. That's the thing I like to see. So, um, all right. Thanks so much for listening and uh, keep reading heyyouguys.co.uk because we're having uh, a lot of fun on the site at the moment. And I hope um, I hope you enjoy Hugo if you see it. And um, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.